What's up, bro? Yeah, what's up, bro? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm close to you. Yeah, bro. Okay, I'm not being a little <laughs> bitch. I'm being close. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who don't know, this is Paul Carter. He's uh, Why my, they my, know? I don't know. Oh, well, your name's going to be in the title. But Paul's my buddy. He's a, he's a colleague. We've done one episode before. It was, it was one of my top five episodes. Now it's my top, one of my top ten episodes. Very um, disappointed in your um, <clears throat> people that listen to your podcast that I slipped out. It was actually top three. It was top three for it a little bit. It was top yeah. three and slipped out of the top three. And uh, I, I still feel like it's, it's number one in my heart. Yeah. And it's number one in their hearts, too. Was, they just don't know it. So if you haven't listened to the first episode with Paul, it was a very fun, very uh, not PG. Yeah. It was very, like, Paul is a, says it like it is. There's no filter on him. So if you've got kids in the car or something, maybe put your headphones in. Not the podcast. (laughs) I'll try to clean it up a little bit today. (laughs) It's all right. You don't have to clean it up. No, I'll try to clean it up a little bit today. Okay. I'll be better. You're not going to be able to clean it up. I'll try. You want to, you want to, so today we're going to talk about muscle growth, but before we do, Paul, just like tell 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 the people who you is. Tell the people who you is, Paul. Tell them who you are. Uh, like, well, you got to give me some like context here about. That. Tell them about yourself. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm Paul Carter. All right, that's all right, Paul I'm, Carter. I, I I've been lifting for like thirty something years. I've written for pretty much I think every major publication to do with fitness, mm-hmm. whether whether that's like on the internet or for even when when people were still buying in print. Mm-hmm. I wrote for all of those. I've wrote a multitude of books. Um, I did powerlifting for 10 years competitively. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very good at it. That's okay. Um, and I did bodybuilding. But I actually started off, a lot of people get this confused. They think that I that I had like this switch and that I went from powerlifting to bodybuilding, but I actually started mm. in bodybuilding. and then I actually, saw that in your story the other day. Yeah, and somebody was like, why did you change? I'm like, I didn't change. I went back to what I was doing yeah. originally for like the first 20 years of my training. Plus powerlifting... Sucks. Listen, I love powerlifting. Like I, I was brought up with powerlifting, oh, but you can't you can't do powerlifting at a really high intensity for a long time. And and I don't know any powerlifters who like really go hard with powerlifting who who their bodies can take that level of intensity for a long time. You break down. You you yeah. can't only powerlift. That's actually a really important point. I think one of the best parts about a great powerlifting program is included bodybuilding within your training. I think even outside of that, I've got a bunch of recovering powerlifters in my groups, mm-hmm. and they're actually a lot of them are stronger um, than they were when they were doing what they would consider like pure strength training. And one of the biggest reasons why is because they're not beat up. Yep. So when you're consistently beat up, your nervous system will downregulate. Um, how many uh, motor units you can actually recruit to produce force. And um, so when you're constantly beat up or have aches and pains and stuff like that, there's actually, even with like inflammation and stuff, there's afferent feedback that happens from the muscle to the nervous system that actually keeps you from recruiting those motor units to produce force because your body's like, hey man, you're not in, a, you're not in good shape to do yeah. that. So a lot, of the, a lot of the people that came over and have been in my groups, um, they, because I consistently emphasize, hey, we need to do things in a very efficient biomechanical way, they feel better than they ever felt, but they also are stronger. Yeah. Um, and they, they can do stuff like go hiking, you know, in the mountains. They can for like live. Hours. They, can, yeah. they can live and, and they, they feel great. And that, that's really been a huge, I think probably if you want to say um, one of the big uh, transitions that I've had Paradigm Shift is to, to grow muscle and get jacked. But to literally feel good, yeah. like feel good. Yeah. That, that's that's been something I've gotten so much um, 
like just a huge reward out of with people is they just talk about how much better they feel. But yeah, with powerlifting, I did that. We both did that for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you should know like now even from uh, jujitsu that you couldn't do competitive powerlifting and jujitsu more likely because no way you would be beat no up. way you'd, you'd be beat up completely beat up. I did the same thing right when I was doing uh, mixed martial arts and Krav Maga and stuff like that. Uh, I was doing powerlifting, and I eventually had to. That was why I, I would I stopped. You can't because I was I wanted to do more powerlifting, and you you, you stay beat up. Yeah. So you just got to pick kind of one or the other. But I, I actually do think bodybuilding translates better. People always ask about that. I think bodybuilding translates better for a lot of things than people realize. But they think of bodybuilding as being like like pump and tone. Yes, they have and a misconception. They have a misconception is. about what good hypertrophy training is. It's yeah. nothing like that. So that's kind of. Um, well, even for example, like today, we, Paul took me through a lower body workout today. And, you know, I think the way that people assume bodybuilding, I think when most people think of bodybuilding workouts, they think of just com just isolation exercise, bicep curls, tricep kickbacks. They only think of isolation exercises. It's not that. It's not. It's not. It's it. That's what I do. We're doing that tomorrow. We're doing But it's not just that. But it's also the intensity you bring to it. But also it's 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 an efficient workout. Right? I mean, we were sweating by the end of it. Well, that's like, what I asked you. We were in there, I think it was like 45 minutes. We did hamstrings and glutes. We did four exercises, uh, two really good warm-ups. Yep. And then we'd really get after it, yep. uh, on, on the, which would be the third set. And you were cooked by the end, but not like destroyed. Correct. You were like, my, you were like, man, you know, I'm worked. Yes. Yep. But, you know, we sat down, we had a protein shake, and you're like, and that was a good session. Yes. Uh, but you didn't, you don't leave like exhausted, you don't hurt. Yeah, that's the biggest right? thing is like with powerlifting, a after a while, you start, you're like, you're limping out of the gym, your hips are hurting, your shoulders are hurting. Elbows. You're the thing I think that a lot of powerlifters have an issue with is they're always trying to maximize their leverage. And they're not actually training the muscle, right? Whereas well, that's with, the with point. you the, want to lift as much as possible. The way to do that is you shorten the range of motion as much as you can. And you and you miss out on so much of the muscular training, which is why we see a lot of powerlifters who have so much, so many issues, and they often don't even really look like they lift because they're not actually training their muscles as much as they should be. Well, they're just trying to maximize the leverage. Yeah, maximizing the leverage, and then the other component is that uh, like maximal strength has a large neurological. Adaptation. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's not really, <clears throat> and that's something we can get into. Um, you're not training those movements with a a lot, of, like accumulating a lot of mechanical tension over the course of the workout. So there's a lot less muscle growth, and I think there's even been some studies that have looked at the amount of muscle growth that actually powerlifters and bodybuilders have. Of course, bodybuilders have more yeah. muscle. I don't know why that ever got debated, but they. I used, don't know why. That you remember was that shocking. used to be a talk like if you want to get really jacked big. Bro, like lift super heavy and do the but the compounds and I'm how many times you ever heard that constantly? I, mean, I would say lift super heavy and do the compounds. Well, that was my indoctrination into lifting in the early 2000s. That's like especially like reading T Nation in high school. That was like that's what I first started reading early on, and that's all I ever read was just compound lifts as heavy as you can. That's how you build muscle. That's I didn't I didn't learn. I, anything I mean, about. you can. Yeah, of course. People have done it. I just don't, it can be part of a program. I but don't that's think not that's the, the most efficient way to go about it. I think you can you can and you will build muscle doing that, but that's not the main. I think there's a difference between you can do it and not understanding the principles behind muscle growth. It's like you might hit some of the main principles driving muscle growth doing that, but you don't understand what's actually driving it, and that's the major issue. So actually, do you want to talk about what is the number one? And we'll we'll go through 
several of them, but what is the most important, the without question, most important thing someone needs to do in order to build muscle? They need to accumulate enough uh, mechanical tension within the training session to kick off um, the need for muscle remodeling and adaptation and the, the creating of new uh, contractile muscle proteins. So, so what is mechanical tension? As Talk to me like you're, you're explaining it to a five-year-old. What is mechanical I, that, tension? There's no way to explain that. All right, talk to me like you're talking okay, to an so eight, okay, eight-year-old. So, okay, so I'd be like, <laughs> you know, mechanical tension is like you grab the barbell and you're doing curls, and then you, you do enough curls to where it starts getting really hard, and then you go to where you can't do another like full curl. So those last so many reps are what the body ends up distinguishing is a high degree of tension, e.g. mechanical tension. Now, from like a really high level, like or not a high level, but a more in-depth point of view, what is actually occurring within the muscle during that time is, is that there's an involuntary slowing of the concentric contraction. Okay. Right? So if you're doing curls and you go to failure, what happens? Let's say you're doing a set of ten. Yep. With a, and you're doing it's a it's a RPE of ten, so you couldn't yep. get an eleventh rep. Yep. The last four to five reps start to move very slow. Okay. Okay, yep. right? Yep. Like, and then that 10th rep moves really slow, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So during that time... Like you're shaking, you're yep, like... There's, there's, there's <laughs> something you have, your muscles are the, the in the fibers, there's something uh, in the sarcomeres, there's actin and myosin. And they actually do something called cross-bridging, where the actin and myosin filaments will hook on and actually pull one another. Uh, they use ATP mm-hmm. and to actually perform. You know, this ATP is what powers muscle contraction. Yep. Okay. So what happened is that there's a high degree during those hard repetitions of cross bridging that happens, and there there's more and more. And they pull something called uh, the Z the Z disc. I think it's the Z disc lines together. Um, I have a post workout brain, but <laughs> they pull them closer together, and then eventually what happens is this is that the muscle fibers cannot produce enough force anymore mm-hmm. to move the load. Yep. Okay. That's from fatigue, right? Yep. So what there's something called mechanoreceptors on the, the muscle fibers and they detect this tension. And then they kick off something called mechanotransduction, which kicks off mTOR, mm-hmm. um, which kick which is a protein kinase, and then it kicks off uh, P I can always P six seventy, uh, it's like K and, and they kick off all of these kinase um, processes that also kicks off muscle protein synthesis and everybody Mm -hmm. heard the term muscle protein synthesis where you uh, repair um, uh, basically uh, muscle proteins Um, and over time what will happen is if there's enough you're accumulating enough repetitions within the training session like that then in order for adaptation, muscle remodeling occur, your your body will create new myofibrils. Mm-hmm. And that those are made up of contractile proteins. Those are contractile proteins so that you can produce more force. And that's the also the other part, the second part there, is why progressive overload is so important. Mm. Because the more um, myofibrils, contractile proteins that your body creates, whether it's in a sequence uh, or whether it's like parallel, so believe it or not, your muscle can actually add muscle length. Yep, and yep. it becomes a ball. A lot of people don't think that, like, how do muscle get longer? Well, if you think about squishing it up, right? Yep, like, yep. it would actually get longer. But it also gets in parallel, too. It, it adds those muscle proteins in parallel. 
So as those are added and you go from, say, dumbbell pressing the 50s for 10, mm -hmm. and then the next thing you know, after a couple of weeks, you can do the 50s for 12. Mm -hmm. Okay, You're having to do that 12 and actually to keep the amount of force production the same. Mm -hmm. And so over time, when you, you go from the 50s for 10 to the 50s for 12, and then you say the 60s for 6, mm -hmm. and then the 60s for 8, and the 60s for, for 10. And yep. then, so then over time, you're doing, you go from the 50s for, say, you know, 8 reps or whatever you're at, to years later to where you're doing the 100s or 120s for 10, 8, 10, 12 reps. So over that time, the muscle has been has remodeled itself and accumulated more and more and more contractile proteins to produce that force. Mm. The only You have to give your body enough hard sets within the training session that it has a reason to do that. Okay. And that's pretty much to simplify it as much as I can. It's so progressive overload is just another means to get mechanical tension. The way that I view progressive overload is to tell me that my training is actually working. Mm. So if I could go, if progressive overload is something that is occurring in the training session. So a lot of people think of so progressive, progressive overload is something that can be either observed or potentially programmed. And I only say that as a caveat because people misrepresent, I think, what progressive overload is. And in other words, let's say we went to the gym today. We go, and let's say we I was here for another week and we went back and did that same workout. Yep. Let's say we did added we did two sets of lunges today. Yep. Let's say we did rested another three to five minutes and did a third set of lunges. Yep. Was there an adaptation that uh, needed to occur for us to do that third set? No. No, we just needed more time. Yeah. That's not progressive overload. That makes sense. So a lot of people will say progressive overload is adding more sets mm -hmm. and adding more exercises, and I'm like, but what adaptation? occurred that allowed that there that's, wasn't one you just good rested longer and did another set yep yep but to me progressive overload and the way this is the way chris beersley explains it to is progressive overload is something that occurs as the means to show adaptation has has happened mm. okay okay so if i could do was there if i could do the 80s last week for 100 or 80s for 10 last week and today i could do 80s for 12 did adaptation occur within that time yes yeah yes okay to me that's progressive overload Got it. So you, your progressive overload is something that is occurring. When people get all banana shape, I don't. If you don't like that definition, fine. Don't use it. If you have a different way where you say that I'm accumulating more stress or stimulus in the workout, then you can say that. But to me, progressive overload is a way of showing that my training is actually working. I also think it's important. This is the and you and I were talking about this before we started the podcast. When you were speaking about this, you were talking from the perspective of muscle growth. Yeah. Like this is all muscle growth. We could use the example like the the sets of lunges for example. And you could take someone who, you know, they just want to get healthier, they want to feel better, move better. Right. If by the end of a workout they have the they do two sets of lunges and like they rest 3 to 5 minutes and they can't do another set, they're still wiped out, but then the next time they go back, they can do a third set. Yeah, that's progressively overloading, they're improving their cardiovascular system, they're improving their muscle. Well, yeah, that's that's and that's that's the thing is um so then there's there in, in those those particular cases, for example, and like that, there was a an adaptation that did occur, for example, like Correct. VO2 max or like exactly um, to do work without having uh, higher as as high a degrees of oxidation. Occur. Exactly. So those those are different types of adaptations. And that's this is such an important thing to understand because when people see your content or they see my content and they maybe say and we'll talk about this in this episode we'll talk about deadlifts and conventional sumo deadlifts mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later on 
they might see you say, you know, you're not a big fan of them, and they see me say, well, I am a big fan of them, right. and they think, well, they must disagree. In reality, number one, even if we disagree, it's not a problem. Number right. two is we're talking about different goals, right. and your main goal, your discussion here is muscle growth, and people need to understand muscle growth, athletic performance, health. These are all, they, they, are, they have like a Venn diagram where they overlap, but they're not the same. I think a, a really good um, kind of parallel discussion here is about this is the one we had about dieting and how sometimes it gets misconstrued online. So if you if you are getting ready for a bodybuilding show mm, and this is, you this have is to get inside out peeled to where you get your body fat as low as possible, then let's say even if you're a really big guy, um, you might have to get your calories down to fourteen or fifteen hundred to in, because you're trying to get to a very extreme degree. Of body fat, right? Yep. So that re- requires very extreme type diet. Correct. Yep. So sometimes you'll see, like online, people say your calories shouldn't be that low or whatever. But I'm like, okay, but if you're competing and you need to just get peeled, you just do whatever it takes. Correct. That means that you may need 1,400 calories. And even if you're like a 220 pound competitor, like a guy, I mean, me and John Meadows, you know, God rest his soul, talked about that all the time. That John, for some shows, would bring his calories down to 14 or 1,500 to get super peeled because that's what he had to do. Yeah. Now, for somebody else contextually, is that if they just want to, they want to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds, and then they want to find a way to keep it off sustainability, that's a totally it's a different, different approach, discussion. Yeah. Completely different approach. So the, all of these things need context. So that gets mixed up in online discussions so often, even on my page, even though despite the fact that right there on my profile, it says I do hypertrophy stuff. Yep. But I'll get people come over and talk about something like a landmine press or a kettlebell swing. And I'm like, those are not good hypertrophy movements, and I can explain why. But people act like I just kicked them in the nuts and tried to have sex with their parakeet. I'm like, I'm not attacking you. I mean, it's not a personal attack. If you like kettlebell swings, go do for them, it, man. Yeah. Do them. Like, just know, like, what what is the outcome? Well, if that if you're someone's doing, doing kettlebell swings for hypertrophy, that's stupid. Just to be honest, is. and I love kettlebell swings. I right, I know that, but I'm like, you like them because you're like, I like it as a way to do conditioning. Yeah. I like it as a way to get a good workout in. It's good for totally my grip, grip strength. It's good for right. my conditioning. It's good for all that. Absolutely, but it's not a hype. But if you movement. like, if you woke up tomorrow and you're like, I want to build as much muscle as possible. You would not. Do, you know, Absolutely you would not. never do a kettlebell swing. I would ab- if my you would main never goal. Do, no. You wouldn't do a landmine press. You wouldn't do a zercher squat. <laughs> right? I hate that exercise. It's I hate that so for basically dumbest, everything. There's any zercher anything is yeah. so dumb. There's, I don't know why anyone would ever do a zercher thing. Because they're in prison. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any any other. Let me put this shit in the crook of my elbows. And, <laughs> Because I don't have fucking anything out here in the yard. If you don't know what a zercher squat is or something, you can Google it. Just like it's the dumbest thing. You put it in your in the crook of your elbows. There's gonna be somebody that's gonna DM you or me about it. like because I, I get off. I'm like we're talking hypertrophy. So zercher. I mean squat, for literally anything. Zercher stupid for literally zercher everything. Zercher stupid. I, the only thing zercher I can actually say is good for is um I think it's strongman has the oh yeah the for strong, wheel yeah, yeah. where they actually do it's like so I'm like if you if you're a strongman and you have that event sure man like that's that could be something you could use that for but outside of that there's no reason to ever do that no so there's legitimately there's legitimately there's bad exercises and there's legitimately dumb exercises and the zercher anything is one of those yep but going back to the context parts like i said if you woke up tomorrow and you said i've got i want to get i'm gonna the next year the six months or whatever my goal is to build as much muscle as possible 
there would be a lot of things that you do now that you would be like, this is this oh. not this is not efficient for that. If my main goal is to build muscle, I would stop doing jujitsu. Hundred percent. You wouldn't do jujitsu. You wouldn't do kettlebell swings. Um, you probably wouldn't do sumo deadlifts. I wouldn't do sumo deadlifts. Right, do sumo if my main goal is muscle growth, I wouldn't do sumo. And that's one of my favorite lifts. Right. And and people will they look at these things and they need to understand um, with people who have been lifting for a long time and they understand kind of the 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 path they have to take to reach certain goals is they may be using a completely valid approach for that. But it would be completely invalid for a different goal. Correct. I don't understand why this is lost on so many people. People get really emotional about their diets. People right. get really emotional Eye about exercises. certain exercises. They, they get drawn into these certain cults. And uh, if someone... You know why that is, right? I don't know why that is, You don't actually. know why that is? I mean, let's talk about it. Okay. So um, this is a psychology thing. The reason why that that happens is because one of the things that we do... The human part of the human condition that is so uh, important to us from a psychological standpoint is that life has meaning. Mm-hmm. Life has meaning. Yep, has yep. depth. Has meaning. Has purpose. Yep. Right. Uh, you wake up as a man, and if you could wake, if you were, you ever woke up and had like an identity crisis and felt like life didn't have meaning or didn't have purpose or whatever, that's called depression. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, different than clinical depression. I don't want anybody to lose their shit because you just like can't say anything. How dare, anyway, How dare right? you? How dare you? But that can be <laughs> depression. I think a, some guys end up going through that when they mistake that for a quote unquote midlife crisis, right? It's yep. like I think a lot of guys go through an identity crisis because maybe they feel like their life doesn't have as much meaning as they want it to. Mm. And before somebody goes, Paul, where are you going with this? I'm going to tell you. Yeah, no. Okay, so here's what we do as from a part of the human condition thing is that we need to have things in our life yep. that give it meaning and purpose that matter to us. Now, believe it or not, something as simple as a diet that we use yep. or a training method that we use, if those are things we invest in heavily emotionally, yep. then the other way that we create depth with that meaning is that we find other people who share those same views, mm. that share those same ideologies. Find a community. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So the community helps deepen the meaning. That makes sense. So now when you're actually saying, hey, look, this is not a good exercise, to a lot of people, they don't even understand subconsciously why they have such a contrarian response to that. And the yep. reason why is because they actually feel as though that you're attacking something that gives their life meaning. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I'm not just telling you when you say like if you like I but I love sumo deadlifts I'm like then that is then awesome do it. Yeah. but I'm saying if you are talking about like using a good hypertrophy movement it's just not a good hypertrophy movement it doesn't mean you can't love it it doesn't mean you have to stop doing it correct and even if you like here's the other factor there even if you are training for hypertrophy. If you have moves you just love doing, I think life is way too short. Correct. In order to just eliminate stuff that you still love doing, there still has to be a facet, a fun facet, and if it gives you meaning, and I tell people, I can tell you all day, this isn't a good selection, and you have every right to do it if you love to do it, yeah. and God bless you for doing it. If that gets you in the gym, and 100%. you enjoy it, go so for it. So people take that wrong out of me a lot of times online. I'm like, look, I'm telling you, here's why these things are optimal or they're suboptimal, and here's why some things are bad or they're stupid. Yep. So, but it doesn't, does it mean you can't do them? If you love doing Zercher squats and you're like, I want to get super jacked. I'm like, it's not a good idea to do Zercher squats. But you're like, but I love them. I'm like, all I can tell you is why it's not a good idea, but because of freedom (laughs) and you're not in prison. 
You know, as, as far as I know, you can go into the gym and you can do Zercher squats. So I, I think people need to heed that message. Does it, in my opinion, does it mean I, I always want to be as efficient as possible with my training? Yeah. I always yeah. want to be as efficient. So I find a, cert, a, a lot of... You're like that with everything. Everything. You're efficient with your diet. Right. You're efficient with your training. Like, you, like over the last few days, you've watched how I do my diet. And yeah. like you see how, how incredibly simple the whole oh, thing is. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. I All think before you thought... You could like I could never diet like that, but you now see like I buy my groceries and it's I like, still couldn't do diet. Like I know you could do but like, but the way that I have it streamlined, it's very easy. You, you prepare a meal. How easy you prepare is. your meals within like twelve minutes. Yeah, it's super easy. I don't even have to cook. Yeah, no, you put it in the microwave. <laughs> it was great. It's like you. It's super. It's very straightforward and very simple. the The difference is for me is I I love food. I, I, love I love food more than you love food. I don't. This is not. I don't know why you say stuff like that. <laughs> I I can't eat uh, like the same thing. You did really good last night, actually. You did good last night. Yeah, For everybody great. listening, like we went out to eat last night at Monarch, and um, we literally talked about the protein thing that day. Yeah. And then we had. Um, it was a the dinner was over a thousand dollars. Really was legitimately a thousand. I think that's actually the most expensive dinner I've ever had. Yeah, it was so good. Though. It was over a thousand dollars. If you haven't been to Monarch in Dallas, you gotta it's, go. It's, it's so good. We got we got carpaccio twice. <laughs> we got so we ordered one round of appetizers, and then the waitress came back, and Paul was like. Could we get all of those again, plus two massive bowls of king crab and, and uh, shrimp cocktail? And shrimp cocktail, yeah, and ma- massive bowls. Gigantic, I mean, they were huge. They're huge, huge bowls. Right. So yeah, and that was just the appetizers. That was the appetizers. Um, then we had the shrimp scampi. So it was pretty much all protein to that point. Yeah, yep, it was it all was protein. Like carpaccio. We had carpaccio. We had uh, um, the crudo. Yep, all the sashimi. All the sashimi. Yep. Yep. And then what was the other we one? We had tuna tartar. Tuna tartar. Yep. And then king and then crab. King and crab the cocktail. So, yeah. So and we're sitting there, and remember we had talked about this that day, and I said the cool thing about smashing a ton of protein is like you can just keep eating it. Yeah. You don't really get that overly like like I'm stuffed feeling like you do with carbs. Yeah, carbs really like really fill you up. They're they're really they're satiating, especially when you add them in with the other things. It's like yeah. final touch. So. Um, so we had that, and then we had that pasta, that small. We did pasta have pasta, but we shared it. A very small, it was small, small, it was it was like, small, small, like little. Yeah, it was uh, raviolis. Yep. Yeah, raviolis. What was it? it was a, like lobsters? No, it's shrimp. Or? Was it shrimp? Shrimp scampi. scampi yeah, ravioli. shrimp scampi. That's what it was, right. And then and I had the eighteen ounce filet mignon, and yep. you had the. I had the ribeye, twenty ounce ribeye, but I think you ate about ten ounces of it. I did eat. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the filet mignon was actually better than your ribeye. Yeah, which I was surprised which, I was surprised about that too because the ribeye is usually really damn amazing. But, um, and then what? We followed that up with three desserts. Uh, we had the oh, pineapple. Oh, the pineapple upside down cake was. Pineapple. Oh my god, that's my favorite dessert. I know you like that. I actually liked whatever me and me uh, my wife and your yeah. wife got. I don't. I don't know. You almost said you. Dude, <laughs> it's so kidding. great that I caught myself <laughs> yeah, right there. That right? was good. <laughs> um, so. You had like a mega props, right? Yeah, there no, you me, had like right? a physiological reaction. You saw like, that. Oh, right? God. I was like, wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I forget what dessert you guys had. It was whatever. Some type of ice cream thing. Well, the, we had the ice cream thing, but it was that, whatever that, it was like a coffee type. Uh, I don't know. But it was good. It was really good. Everything was amazing. Oh, toffee. It was toffee. Toffee, that's what it was. You yes. had a toffee. Yeah, yeah. So I actually like that better than your upside down. How did we get on this topic? Um, I have no clue. 
Um, oh, we were saying how, oh, I know, because you got mad that I said I like food. Yeah, I like food. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about, our diet, So you because you like food. But, but I, you're very efficient with everything is yes. really what it comes down to. It's like you, you like efficiency. You're like, you make sure like everything is streamlined. Yep. Um, Same thing with our training today. And you, it kind of, I think it hit you today a little bit in that training session just how efficient like my yeah. training actually is. Yeah, four exercises. Right? Yeah, four exercises, two warm-ups, one heavy working set where you basically work the failure. It's um, different for me because the way that I train that, I, that I've always enjoyed most is more for athletic performance. Yeah. And, and for that, you generally need a couple more exercises, like I, usually like six exercises or so. And I like it's different planes of motion, it's change of direction, some speed work. Like I, I prefer that. But it's very cool to see how you train for muscle growth because it's so simple. Yeah, it really is There's just like good mechanics. It's yep. Uh, you know, a, a, an efficient amount of loading. Um, so you're kind of staying in that six, eight, ten rep range somewhere in there. But what we really did was that all you need is one hard set. And I asked that you that was the day, big thing. and that hit you too. Is I said, how many more sets of like this do you want to do? And you're like, none. <laughs> and if you train right, right for muscle growth, one set's all you need. One work I, set. Sometimes, sometimes if you. Uh, if you leave a few reps in reserve in the tank, you could follow it up with a second set. But generally speaking, if that one set is done really well, I you just you don't want another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with the leg curls, it's a it's a single joint movement. So we started with leg curls, single oh, joint movement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did do some four straps there uh, with some partials. Yep. But then we went to the um, the glute bridge, right? Yep. And then that was basically two warm sets, one heavy set, all out. Yep. Where he probably couldn't have done another rep there. Correct. And then we went to glute leg press. Yep. Um, and then left maybe two reps in the tank there. Yeah. You, well, you might you were pretty close. I was close. You were close. I was close. I think um, I had one. You one might more. have had one more rep. So it's pretty efficient. And then we did a couple of sets of, of lunges. And I was just kind of done at that point. Yeah. You know what's interesting though, and I, maybe I don't know if you picked up on this. I was always underestimating how much I could lift for yes. that one set. And I think it's because I usually do two to three sets for my for my workouts. Mm-hmm. So because I was in my head mentally preparing for doing more, but because it's just working up to a single top set, mm-hmm. I could lift significantly more than I thought I could. 100%. And I'm an experienced lifter. Yeah. And I was still like, oh, I was off by a significant amount of weight in my head. I was like, oh no, I'm you only would, gonna yep. do four plates. It's like, oh, I could go up to five plates and get 12 And I actually, I actually was guessing right on you. Yeah. You, then I'm like, cause I said, now you can use that, that's fine. Yeah. And you would take weight off and, and you would go, okay, you were right. Yeah. And I was like, I know. It's cause it's that when you, when you save your energy for that one set and give all that all of your effort to yes. one set. And that's really what you, you, you found works best for building muscle is instead of trying to increase the volume, the total number of sets that you're doing, just give it all on one set. Well, and then I just want to beat every week that goes by. I want to beat whatever I did. And, and when you talk about beating that, you beat it in terms of weight? Do you beat it in reps? Is, or do both it, work? I have, for, I don't know how many decades, just love the double progression scheme. So. I basically try to work up to a certain target number of reps, whether it's 10. So if it's, what did I did? I did seven plates on each side of the glute bridge uh, today. Uh, and I got eight reps with that. So the next time I would shoot for nine. Okay. Right? Yep. And then when I say when I'm, I'm doing 10 or 11, then when I go back in for the next session, I would add load at that Got point. it. You increase weight. So, yeah, yeah, so I try to stay efficient rep ranges to me for hypertrophy or so like six to somewhere between six to 12, all depending on the exercise. Yep. But for something that where you can load up pretty heavy, 
you know, six, eight reps, something like that. That's kind of the range that I like to stay in because from a, the, getting back to the mechanical tension thing, when pretty much a set to failure, you're looking at four to five reps yep. approximately that are going to be hard enough that are going to create that mechanical tension. The last four to five reps in a, in a set, right? Yep, yep. So if you're doing a, a, like a set of six and it's a six rep max, you're gonna have probably literally starting from the second rep. Yeah. Though that yeah. second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rep should all go towards mechanical tension. In other words, those are all gonna be, there's a couple of things that's gonna happen there. Those are gonna, that's gonna be a heavy enough load that you're gonna re, you're gonna recruit the maximal amount of motor units, which mm-hmm. is the muscle, you're gonna activate the muscle fibers that are involved in that set. Yep. And then you're gonna load those. So those are gonna have to produce force, and that's when that cross bridging is happening when those actinomyosin filaments are pulling on each other. Yep. So that's the the situation that has to happen and how you end up your the fibers detect tension mm-hmm. that kicks off that whole mechanotransduction process. Let me ask you this. Practically speaking, someone's in the gym, because I know this question is gonna come up. How is someone supposed to know when they're getting to a, a sufficient point where, okay, this is an effective rep for muscle growth. Like how, like what's going on in the set? Are they, is it just, is the, is the rep getting really difficult? Is it starting to get to a point where fatigue is setting in? How can they know, okay, now I'm at a point where these reps really count? Generally, that's gonna be where you see like that you're not able to move the weight with this, what I consider like a significant degree of like authority on the concentric. Mm, okay. Yep. So that's that involuntary. When I say involuntary slowing, it's when if you do a max set of like a triple on a deadlift. Yep. All those reps move slow. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Like they and all. The move last rep- one might be the really really slow. slow yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of tension. Yep. There's a lot of tension. There's first off, there's the maximum amount of high threshold motor units recruited because your body goes. This is a heavy load. I think they've, they've actually figured out that it's about 85% in your one rep max. Okay. At 85%, you recruit the maximum amount of motor units yep. for that set, and that's gonna be about five or six reps. Okay. Right? Yep. So you need to have those reps where you're like, I'm like pushing as hard as I can, but the load is moving slow. Yeah, got right? it. Right? Like I'm actually trying to push really like hard, but because it's heavy, my muscles are producing the maximum amount of force they can. The, the um, internal muscular force they're producing as much as they can but that's what i can produce against that load so it's moving very slow do you do you shoot for a certain number of those reps per muscle group or per workout or per that's week? A, now that's a good question and that's how i like to look at training quote unquote volume and here's where the quote unquote volume people <laughs> don't say any names don't say any names. most people know that, that 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 I call them evidence bias because they ignore um, all of the evidence that actually talks about how to be efficient with hypertrophy um, because they they built businesses around <laughs> stupid high volume bullshit. So um, a better way to look this is a way if you want to simplify like volume think of volume as this way volume is nothing more than us counting contractions mm. in mm. a workout session. Okay, nothing. We're just counting contractions. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, there has that has to mean that there are certain contractions that have a different outcome mm. Mm. in the training That's session. That's a good way to put it. Than other contractions do. Yep. So if you're doing a set of ten, are all those contractions? If you're doing a set of ten and it's a ten rep max, do all those contractions 
had the same physiological effect. That's a great way to put it. Okay. That's a and no, they don't. They don't. Okay. So if you're doing a set of ten, that and you those last that that fifth rep, that sixth rep, that seventh, that eighth, that ninth, that ten, those have a different. These have a different muscle growth value mm. than the first one, two, three, four, whatever. Yep. Okay. Because your body can perform those reps, and it's not there's not uh, enough tension to give it a reason to kick off that whole muscle growth process. But that sixth rep, that seventh rep, that eighth rep, and then here's the other thing: even those last five reps, rep six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. The, say those are your muscle growth reps. Here's another one. That tenth rep is not the same as that sixth rep. Correct. And that's neither the seventh, eighth, or, so the ninth and tenth rep might be pretty similar. Yep. Right. Yep. But the degree of tension that is being produced, the amount of cross bridging that is happening between those filaments at rep six is going to be less than it would be at rep ten. That makes sense. So those because rep reps ten is so much harder. Right. So yeah, those reps yeah. aren't aren't even of equal hypertrophy value. Mm. Even though they all have value, they some have less value. And then there's, they also, you can't incur those repetitions without also accumulating a certain amount of fatigue that happens as well. So when you're, you're doing a training session like that and you, you accumulate metabolites in the muscle, um, there's also fatigue that you incur from a central nervous system standpoint within, in the training session and that lasts afterwards because there's afferent feedback that happens from the muscle, the, from the fiber level, with the nervous system. So when you, believe it or not, okay, when you do like a high rep something, people, um, like let's say like 30 reps and it burns and it aches, and whatever, your nervous system actually gets that feedback that there's pain, mm -hmm. okay, there's a lot of metabolites. So I am going to actually not recruit as many motor units in these subsequent sets because there's, a, there's the afferent feedback that you get that there's more pain, there's mm. more metabolites. I don't, I'm getting tired keeping these muscle fibers active that long. Yep. So there's a lot of things that go on. So the efficiency standpoint comes back to, I like to use loading that keeps me in that six to 10 rep range because number one, I'm not having to do tons of reps, which I incur more central fatigue by doing tons of reps. Yep. Um, but I'm not going, also going so heavy that I end up creating a lot of tension on the passive structures within the muscle as well. Mm. So the tendons and the ligaments and those. So when you're going really heavy, like we talked about earlier, doing heavy doubles and triples and stuff like that, you accumulate mechanical tension in those reps, yep. but because they're so heavy, the connective tissue takes a pretty good beating mm -hmm. with that kind of stuff. Because you know if you've done like heavy triples oh, yeah. and stuff, like the next few days, like, oh, I'm kind of beat up. Yep. So that's why that six, eight, ten rep range tends to be optimal bodybuilders figured that out decades and decades decades ago right yep, like yep. They, they get some things right so that's why I do things the way that I do so you can because I know this question is going to come up you can build muscle at any rep range you can you cor correct yes so because so, people always ask what's what's the best rep range for what's the Paul, can I, Paul can what I is the, the best of, can I get the same amount of muscle the 20 reps can I get, <laughs> can I get six reps can I get those <laughs> 
So what do you say to that? Like, you can build them at 30 reps. There's actually a meta-analysis, I believe, that looked at that. And if you're training very close to failure, a set of 30 and a set of eight actually give you about an equal amount. Correct. There is a meta-analysis of of, that. Basically, the outcome for hypertrophy. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean they're equal. Correct. When you're using a lot of reps like that, there's a higher degree of, of, uh, of oxidation. It's more glycolytic based. Um, so if you're, let's say you're losing like a keto diet, that would not be, that'd be a super inefficient way to go yeah. about your training, right? Yep, yep. So I think that also keto, there was another, that's a different topic, but that actually keto has, it uh, uh, attenuates like mTOR itself. So it actually turns down. That was really? Like, yeah, I have to find this out that I sent to you, but keto is really shit for muscle building on a multitude of fronts. So, <laughs> but, um, the, um. You can build muscle, but I again it comes back to efficiency. Do I want to incur what's the stimulus to fatigue ratio? So if I'm doing high reps, very glycolytic based, um, do cause a high degree of fatigue at the nervous system level, mm-hmm. then that's not more efficient from a recovery standpoint because remember, we have the the amount of stimulus that we are accumulating within the training session over those how many of, of those really hard reps that we're doing. So then we have the recoverability. How much recovery do we need after that training system from a localized standpoint, the peripheral standpoint, the muscular standpoint, yep. and also the nervous system, the central nervous mm. system fatigue standpoint? Because if your nervous system, if you have nervous system fatigue, then in the subsequent training sessions, you can't recruit as many muscle fibers mm. in those training sessions, which means you're not going to get as good of a, of a hypertrophy outcome over the subsequent weeks of training as well. So you want to keep those, that's why it's important to keep those repetitions in very efficient ranges so that you're creating a high degree of, of stimulus, but you're not, you're accumulating as little um, nervous system and localized fatigue as possible. That makes sense. That makes sense. So let me ask you this, and I, this it's important to clarify, I'm not saying this is the best one. I'm interested in what is your personal favorite split? For workouts like what do you enjoy doing most for I, your i've workouts? pretty much been on a push-pull leg split for i don't know how many years now push-pull legs yeah and i consider a lot of people don't get this i consider anything outside of full body workouts bro split okay uh, now full body and upper lower those yep. are okay so anything outside of that to me is what i call what's the difference in doing chest and biceps or doing like chest shoulder and triceps if you're just doing like one shoulder exercise fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So well, I don't know why people don't consider, like to me a bro split just means you're not doing a, an upper lower or a full body. Yeah. yeah. So you're splitting things up. Yep. Okay. So so when you do your push-pull lower split, is that how many days a week are you training? Is that three I, days? I would consistently, no, it's a, it's a, I'll do like push, pull, a day off, legs off, and then, and then I'll repeat it, but it's a rotational cycle. Got it. So like, let's say... The first week, it's like push, it's push pull a day off, and then legs. Yeah. But that'll be like a quad day. Okay. And then it's a day off, and then when I go back to the next push day, which is chest, shoulder, and triceps. Yep. It'll be different movements than I used previously. Okay. But it's just those two workouts. So I have one, like a, a push one and a push two. Got it. Got, got a, it. Got and it. And then a pull one and, and a, a pull, pull two. two. Yep. And then I always split. Now I split legs, and I do a quad dominant day, and then the other one. Is a hamstring and glute day. So you're really training legs like once every ten days or so, like quads, quads, like quads once every ten days, and then glutes but and hamstrings. Okay, so yes and no because think about today, 
What did we do today? We did glute leg press. Your quads still get worked. Yeah, of course. Yeah, All yeah. Right? Yep, and yep. then we did lunges. Yep, yep. quads and still got worked. We were yep. doing, they're, they're it was still a glute, glute biased lunge, but yeah. It yep. is. It's a glute biased lunge, but it's not like your quads are sitting there. Correct. They're like not sm- inactive. Smoking <laughs> a, a, a camel, you know, and just like, you know, with, and, you know, doing shots of, you know, Jack Daniels and stuff. Yeah. Like doing nothing. They're still working. Like they're yeah. do, still doing work, right? Yep. So, um, so, but then it, yeah, it's more biased the next, so the next time will be like, if it's quads, it'll be like leg extensions and like a hack squat Got or a it. leg press or both. And then like a sissy squat. Yeah. So it's, I'm really like trying to accumulate as much mechanical tension in that or just quads. So like today was a really good workout and it's just like leg curls, um, glute bridge, glute leg press, lunges. That so it. it's like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much how I've been structuring things for a long time. What I love about your approach is it's very doable and realistic for the average individual. Or or I whether you're an average individual um, who just wants to be, quote, unquote, fit and toned, it works. Or if you're literally a competitor. Yeah, it works for everyone. But most of the people who listen to my podcast are, are everyday people. They're not like they work as, no, sure f- no figure competitors listen look, to my podcast. Everybody who <laughs> listens to your podcast still wants to be... Sexy. Of course, of course. But what I'm saying is if you've got kids or if you work multiple jobs or you can do your workouts. Don't want to be sexy. Everyone, yeah, of course, everyone wants to be be sexy. sexy. So you can do. But a lot of people think that in order to to be sexy, you've Mm got to work out seven days a week. You've got to be in the gym for two hours a day. And I think a lot of people, they chase, they 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 chase stimulus. They chase fatigue. Well, I here's the thing. I think this and this one of the girls in the Valkyrie brought this up last week, is that I think a lot of and I'm not this is not like a sexist thing, let's fucking spare me. <laughs> I think women for whatever reason get pulled in and I know this because I, I've worked with tons of women over the years. Women more than men I have found get sucked into that belief that they have to do so much. They gotta be sweating like crazy. They, they, they have, have to do so up. many yeah. exercises and so many and, sets. And, and for whatever this is not sex. This is just a behavioral. Um, that is just something I have observed. Yeah, ex- I don't know why. Literally, it's just obs- yeah, it's observational that I feel like women think, um, and, and I don't know if social media plays a bigger role in that. It, because they see women and they think in order to look a certain way that it takes so much work. Yeah, yeah. But if you go in and you give your body a reason to um, to grow, to change, to adapt to a stress, like you don't need to be in the gym. Like a, a girl, a, 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 you know, a woman could come in and do that workout we, we did today. Yep. And if she, you know, if she stuck to that and she got stronger over the next six months, she'd have bigger glutes, yep. bigger hamstrings, her legs would, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's simple, like we talked about earlier, progressive overload. If you she goes from to where she's doing glute bridges with 300 pounds for eight reps, yep. six months later, and she's doing 600 pounds for eight reps, she's going to have bigger glutes. Bigger There's no glutes. way that, they're like, it's just really simple. These are simple concepts. So what are, what are differences that you found generally some ways that men would train versus ways that you would train women? I, I don't. You train them the same? No, I, I train. They all train the same. Train the same. Okay. Dietary is different. Okay. So I, how do you change the diet? Well, women don't need as much, right? They don't need. They, they the protein requirements are less. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was um, Lyle McDonald did a really good job of breaking down over a, like a um, a multi series article of like actually how much like calories. Um, that you need over maintenance to grow muscle, it's way less than you think. Yeah. It yeah. really it's is. It's like 200 calories. It's like, like yeah. it's nothing. Yeah. And for women, it was less. It's like a snack. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the best way you do that is just add in a protein shake to the day on top of your maintenance calories. And I think we talked about that with the Campbell study where in real body um, like recomposition where they actually saw an increase in lean tissue and a decrease in fat mass. Um, It wasn't in huge amounts, but it did occur in trained subjects. All they did was gave them, I think it was, we talked about this, it was 500 calories over maintenance through protein. Protein, yeah. Yeah. And that's what did it. So... But from a like male uh, to female standpoint, from a training ideology, I don't do anything different. So I don't have like, oh, here's a, a guy split or here's a woman split. And women out there might think that, well, can a woman do this? I'm like, you guys have muscles the same as guys. Correct. There's not even like a fiber. Uh, I've looked this up before. There's not even like a fiber density difference. Interesting. So they just have, they often have like fewer fibers. Yeah. So like a woman, she may have like, you know, guys have testosterone. That, that's the biggest one. Yeah. Yep. And so test, the more testosterone you have, um, the higher degrees of muscle protein synthesis that you're going to have in, in congruence. That's why when guys get on gear, yeah. they basically they're in an elevated state of muscle protein synthesis 24-7. Yep. So the biggest, the, the biggest difference is hormones. Okay. I do think there's some research that showed that women didn't need as long a rest periods, but I don't know the context of that research. They might not have been lifting as heavy. I don't know what it was, yeah. but we have five different studies now that have shown longer rest periods continuously beat the brakes off short rest periods for muscle growth. Yep. Not only beat the brakes off of, like it's really significantly different. So if anybody had caught those, uh, when you're doing those hard sets like we were doing today, notice how we uh, we were efficient, but yeah. I, but we rested. Yeah. I wasn't like rushing. We no, like, no. We put our weights on, you know, we get ready, we get set up. Like, I don't rush. And we were still in and out in 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So you take, you know, a good rest. I, well, I don't think because we didn't do more than we do the two warm-ups in one. But if you're doing multiple hard sets, just making sure you're getting those three minutes rest, at least three minutes. Um, and, you know, five is fine, too. Yeah. As, as long as you don't get cold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think uh, you can say, I don't know what the... What's the word? Diminishing returns yep. for a rest period. I don't. I don't know. As long as you're not, the muscles not getting cold. Yeah. I think even like if you want to rest for five or eight minutes, your nervous system is recovering in that time. Right. That's really important. I think a lot of people understand how important that is. It's it's that's it's probably boring to talk about, but not as boring to talk about as gut health. <laughs> <laughs> we got that question. That was one of the one of the questions people were like, "What's he talking about?" I think talking about gut health. I would rather. I'd rather take a Civil War cannonball in the taint, <laughs> like bent over, full bent over, like like Ed Norton, American History oh, X shower. Man. Oh like, man! Yeah, just what like take movie. that, yeah, take that cannon, Civil War cannonball to the taint, just full on. Then talk about then gut talk health. about gut health. Yeah, I have Horrible. no interest in talking about. I get the question all the time, but I I just have no interest in talking about gut health. That it only matters to the person who's having the gut health problems. Which, which is terrible, like which is terrible for them. But do an elimination diet. There. It's also not my specialty, to be honest. Like I, I'm not, I do that too. I'm like I don't. I tr- here's the one thing I think is really a, a big pile of dog shit in the fitness community, like or just social is people not knowing to stay in their freaking yeah. wheelhouse, man. Just, and I, I feel like that's one of my strong points. Just like I tell people, they, that's not my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't mess with that. Like I just try to stay centralized to what I deal with. I, I love at the beginning of your Q and A's, you always say, don't ask me about this. Don't ask me about this. Don't ask me about this. Right. And it's literally just, if people come to you, they should know it's because they want to build bigger muscles. That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't, and the, I, the one I always have to stress is don't ask me 
why your fupa hurts, you know, because you know you know what a fupa is, right? Yes, okay. I know. Or your gut. Why does my gut hurt when I like? Get, I, dude, I don't know, man. That's not. Don't ask people online how yeah. to, to fix your. Or like, your, why anything hurts? Like, why does my shoulder hurt? I don't know. Go to physical therapist in person. Exactly. Like, I don't. Anytime I ever hurt something in my life that I felt like this pain won't go away, I would either find a physical therapist that I, yeah. I trusted or. I would go to a doctor or I would figure it out myself. But I never asked anybody online one no. time. It's such a weird thing. Don't ask me about that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a physical therapist. Yeah, exactly. And even if somebody is a physical therapist, they need to see you in person the, to yeah. diagnose your problem. Or or at the if not in person, at the very least do a video consult to see some of your movement. But even then, like sometimes they actually need to get their hands they on you. They need to look at you. Yeah. They need to ask you to do different different patterns to see what kind of compensation you got going on. So I'll get that question, yeah. those questions, and like I don't. People need to learn how to stay in their wheelhouse. Yeah, they really do need to learn how to stay in their wheelhouse because you never know what kind of bad information somebody's asking you something, and you're just guessing because you don't want to tell people I don't know. It is perfectly okay to say I don't know. Well, I've that's the issue. Is I've had a lot of coaches ask me like, Hey, listen, um, what am I supposed to say if someone asks me a question I don't know the answer to? I'm like, You say I, I, I don't, don't fucking know. know. I don't know. Say so I may know somebody that does know. Yeah, I'll see what I can well, find I out. I, I don't know. But it's some people are they're they're worried that if they don't know the answer, then all of a sudden but people they think somehow I it's weird. People think they lose credibility. No, you gain we, credibility from you. A hundred percent. I trust you wish more. People would get that because yeah, exactly because they're like. If he's telling you something, that means he knows. He knows exactly. But if yep. he does, you won't like. I won't bullshit anybody. I'd be like, dude, I don't know that. Yep. I don't. I'm like, I know what I know. Yep. And if I don't know it, and I'll even come back and say, hey, I was wrong about this. That's the biggest thing. If you are, a, if you are open enough to say, hey, by the way, I was wrong about this, people will trust you to the ends of the earth because they right. know that you don't have an issue saying, oh, I was wrong. My mistake. I people ask me that say, "Well, you put this in an article five years ago." And I'm like, I yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't I know what I know now. Yeah. I didn't know what I know now. New research has come out. I've experimented. I, more. And the guy, guys that I work with that I consider smart guys too, they do that all the time. They're like, "Well, I, we know better now. We, there's things that we know now that we yeah. didn't know then." That that's how that's what's supposed to happen. Correct. When you're getting when you're you're building that knowledge base. You are. There should be things you unlearn too. Yep. You're like, okay, I thought this at the time, and it actually wasn't good. If your methodologies don't change over time, bro, you're not growing. You're not getting better. You're not growing. Bro, please grow. <laughs> grow, bro. just grow, please. Bro. Yeah, bro, bro, just do some <laughs> knowledge. Get some knowledge, bro, and just stop repeating that nonsense that that you said. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people ask me that all the time. Like, what do you? What do they like? What do you believe now that you didn't fight? I'm like, there's so many. Things. Oh my god. There's so, so many things. Right? I've, I've wanted to make uh, a website article that I can just continuously update, like things that I was wrong like about. Like a living document. Just, just like a living document that I can right. always update. It's like, hey, so this is these are all the and things leave that the I've stu- made And leave the stuff that you used to believe and be like, here's the correction. Yeah. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. I would love to have like that, something like that for myself. Here's something I used to believe. Um, somebody asked me about, for example, like tricep bench dips mm. and that I programmed them years ago. Okay. Well... I didn't know as much about shoulder mechanics then yeah. as I do now. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like they're a bad exercise. Yep. Right? Like you shouldn't do them. Um, there is a way you can make them a little less bad, but the whole point is why am I taking trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit? <laughs> so instead of making them less bad, just pick a better exercise. Which is not hard. Just do regular dips. Right. And so I'm like, okay, maybe you could do these for a few years or even 10 years or whatever, but there's definitely some stuff that, that those kind of exercises are doing to you. And so, like, he kind of was throwing shade at me. He's like, why was it okay then? I'm like, because I didn't, I didn't know as much about shoulder yeah. mechanics as I do now. 
Um, and what am I supposed to? Do? I'm not going to bullshit somebody yeah. through that. I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's been as much time learning shoulder mechanics as I do now. I know. I know better now. I know better now. Have you and, not made any mistakes in the last five years, motherfucker? Right. Like, and, <laughs> I feel like that we get you know castigated for that because they're like, but you said this one time. I'm like, yeah, I know different. Now. Yeah. Like, do you, do you still all believe? Do you still believe in Santa Claus and the uh, the tooth fairy? And, That's one of the things I hate about sort of like just culture in general is how quick people are to judge other people for mistakes someone's made only if you have a, a certain amount of visibility yeah yeah but even in general you know it's funny i was talking to a buddy of mine it must have been a year and a half ago now and he was dating a new girl and he got real mad because she lied to him about something mm. and i was we like we should talk about that topic and, yeah we could talk about that and I, and I and he was real mad about it and i was like well let me ask you this have you lied to her about anything right and he was like yeah, I was like, so is your, is, are, should you really be this angry? Like, if it was a big lie, if it was a really big, like, gargantuan lie, that's something, yeah, I can understand it being, you being upset about it. Right. But it was about, it was a stupid little lie that had no bearing. And I was like, should you really be did, that did angry? They have, did they have, like, a real big fight over it? No, not, he was just telling me how pissed oh, he, he was Oh, he was telling you he was mad And I was it. like, bro, stop. Like, because if you, if you can honestly tell me you haven't lied to her, yeah. then that's one thing. But if you've lied to her about anything, you can't be that mad. And I Dude, see people I was, just getting last, so... Last night, let's, I, let's do a transition here. Because I like when we talk about life stuff more. Yeah, we yeah. Do that all day. Like, so, like, we had that conversation yesterday. I don't know why it really stuck on me. It was such a good... Number one, it was a good conversation. Um, and then I, it was just hitting me last night. I was literally, like, laid in the bed sweat my ass off every day. <laughs> after that big but I was meal. thinking about just the depth of that conversation and we'll get into it was um so I'll tell everybody the backstory here yeah because okay. I, I wanted to present this in two ways and that's the importance of really leading with transparency and honesty in your relationships and we were talking about how it was there was such a um profound thing we were talking about the whole Jordan Peterson thing yeah yeah where yeah. he he talks about once you realize there's been betrayal mm-hmm. it just shatters everything yep it shatters everything so I told Jordan and I'll tell you guys this story I told Jordan quite a few years ago I had this email from this young young guy that was seeking some guidance about a mistake he had made he had proposed to this girl they were engaged he really loved her and one night out like with his friends he he got pretty lit up and ended up like basically cheating on her. He didn't sleep with the other girl, but you know, made out with her and stuff like that. Yeah. So he had this tremendous amount of guilt he was carrying around because he he really loved this girl he had proposed to. He knew he'd made a mistake. Um, now, what will irritate me about it, I'm saying this out loud, there's going to be some a-hole that's going to be like, oh, well, if he really loved her, that wouldn't happen. All of us fuck up, man. We all make mistakes. We all fuck up. Let, let, let's, have, allow, let's allow people some some uh, some degree of error and judgment at times in their life because yeah. we all do it. All of us have stuff in our life, way we talk to people, things we've done, that we wouldn't want on the front page of the newspaper because we'd be ashamed. A hundred percent. And I think that we do a poor job of leading with grace and forgiveness for people Agreed. when we become overly judgy about how um, they did this or said that or whatever. And so this guy contacts me and he says that he had, he had cheated and he was just grief stricken. Yeah. And he wondered if he should tell his fiance before they got married that this happened. So I, my shade was through an email. So I shot him back an email and I said, 
is this girl really the love of your life? Mm-hmm. Is this, you know, you still want to marry or spend your life? He said, more now than ever. Mm-hmm. And I think now, I get like, like that kind of stuff's really endearing to me. Yeah. 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 And he said, more now than ever. So he knew from that mistake, not only that the thought of losing her over that just became, you know, it was just magnificent at that point. It was yeah. huge. It was right? overwhelming. Yeah. So, yeah, it was overwhelming to him that he had made this mistake. He had so much grief because he's like, that mistake that he made actually revealed the depth of how much he actually really did love her. He's like, if I lost her, I'd be destroyed. Yep. I'd be devastated. So I said, this is, you're sure this is the girl? And I wasn't asking him because of the cheating. I was asking him for a different reason. And the reason was, was because I said, if this is the girl and you know you want to love her, you take that guilt and you do not be selfish and relieve yourself of that guilt and give it to her in the way of emotional pain. Mm -hmm. Because what will happen is that you will give that to her and then you'll go on and on about how sorry you are, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She's going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Okay. I said, you, if she's the girl you want to marry, get married to her. Don't ever tell her. Don't ever tell her. You you find a way to process that grief, and here's what you do. You allow that to be the catalyst to be the most amazing husband that you mm-hmm. could ever be to her. And so he ended up contacting me later. They they went ahead, they got married, and he woke up every day. This was years later, and was like, I still remember how that felt. Mm-hmm. And every day I wake up and try to be the best husband I can be. Mm-hmm. Had that not happened, you never know. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it never, he never had that mistake to contrast. Oh my gosh, I could really lose her over this mistake, yep. over this decision. Yep. And that gave him that impetus to wake up every day and like, I want to just be this amazing husband. Yeah. So now they've got kids, um, you know, like they've been together, I think say like over 10 years now. And if you think, I was thinking about this last night after we talked about this, if he would have told her that, they they may never have that life. Think about that. Those kids may never yeah. be born. She doesn't wake up a, like a, a super fulfilled, happy wife. Not to mention, here's the thing. when And this is what we spoke about last night, is when you try to, when you feel so guilty about that, that you, hey, I've got to tell them. It's not because you're you're trying to be a good person. No. It's because it's a selfish thing where you're like, yeah. I feel so guilty that the only way I will, I feel, will feel less better. guilty yeah. is if I tell you this. And it's I remember when I heard Jordan Peterson first talk about this, I was like, that is so true. And, oh, yeah. and there this is in all areas of life. It's like we convince ourselves it's like, oh no, well I'm being a good person because I'm telling you. It's like, no, being no, a good it's person the opposite. being a good person is not doing it. Right. And using this you, it's your burden to bear. Right. And it's different if, because the important question you asked was, is this the girl? Yeah. If it wasn't the right person, then, hey, say, well, hey, then this is right. Well, here's what people argue and say, well, if she was the right girl, he wouldn't have done it. I'm like, that's, get, that's get so out of stupid. here with that shit. We, we all make all, mistakes. We make mistakes. Here's the thing. A mistake happens. Do we grow? Do we learn from it? Do we evolve? Do we change? Do we actually find that moment in that in in contrasting that that this is where I was, you know, where I didn't lead with integrity, where I didn't lead with with love, where I didn't lead with with actually valuing the intimacy of that relationship, and then I I chose this self gratification where he because he was drunk at the time doesn't excuse it, but when we get inebriated that. Yeah, we're drunk. We do, we do clearly stupid we do stuff. stuff. Yeah, like I did that with that table of 
ladies last <laughs> night. <laughs> so um, he now has a life that he loves. He has a, a wife that has a life that she loves. Yeah. Now, if he would have told that, and she then here's the thing that I was thinking about. This was this is what was good. So that you said this, and this was a Jordan Peterson thing too. But I wanted to give this everybody because I this conversation was so profound to me about stepping into uh, a better version of your life. Yep. And that it was when somebody finds out betrayal is the thing that cuts us the deepest. Yes, the worst. More than anything, he talks he talks about that. It was one of the one of the most amazing things speeches I've ever heard yeah. him give talk about because it really resonates. Yeah. I love that guy. He the way he talks, yeah. he can really just resonate deeply with you about these issues. And he said, betrayal more than anything we suffer in life cuts us the deepest, yep. right? When you wake up every day, because it shatters your reality. Correct. When we develop a relationship with a person, there, there are part, there's literally parts in your brain that form an identity with of that person. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when betrayal happens, it literally changes yeah. that part of your brain, how you see them. Yep. Right? Yep. So that's why it cuts so deep. It yep. hurts so hard because now... And you said this too, and he said, now we go, this is the heartbreaking part to even talk about this part, is when you're presented with betrayal, you go, okay, what all was actually real now? Correct. Like what, what, what really, what was a, what was a, what else wait, was a lie? what else was a lie? What, was this whole relationship was, a farce? Was everything you did, did you even really have feelings for me? You question everything throughout the entire relationship. Like everything. Every, you told me all these things. You left me all these notes. You, yeah. you, you know, we had all these memories we made together. How much of it were you just pretending in? Correct. Like what was actually real? And when you're, when you're faced with betrayal and that happens, the, the part that is earth shaking to you internally is that mm-hmm. is that it completely eviscerates that foundation that you kind of build with that person, right? Yeah. Because you say, "Well, if they hid this from me and lied to me about that, what then else? What about that other time Correct. that I thought, or what about all these other times I had an intuition that maybe this, whatever? Are those all true? Yep. And maybe it just was really a one time, but it doesn't it do- matter. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter anymore. And it is like that piece of paper, that perfect." blank sheet of paper. Now, the reason why I'm giving people this is for this reason, is people will say, well, you're saying always lead with honesty. hundred percent, always, look, wake up every day and always lead with honesty, transparency, no matter what, lead with those things, lead with integrity. If you're in a committed relationship, you know, don't ever, like I had a, a friend of mine, she told me, she said she traveled a lot and she's been married to um, this guy named Roy. And she said, Whenever she travels, she has to be in the company sometimes with like other guys. It's in bodybuilding. And she's like, no matter how, what I do, I always think to myself, like if, if I had to be at dinner or a meeting or whatever, I always imagine how I'm going to sit, how I'm going to speak, my body language. I imagine that in any given moment, my husband could walk into mm, the room yeah. and see me. Yep. And would he feel honored? Mm-hmm. And that just that made me want to marry her. Yeah, <laughs> that is the woman we all want, right? Like, am I am I like sitting? Is my body language, my posture, is my, are my clothes, are all this in something? If my husband walked in, he would feel respected, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like, if you have a spouse, always be in that same situation. Put yep. yourself. If my wife walked in right now, you know, if my husband walked in right now, would they feel respected? So that's the leading with valuing the intimacy and putting the intimacy of that primary relationship first. Yep. And then the other part is 
um, always lead with the honesty and transparency. And then in those cases like that, where the guy cheated, like to take a step back and say, people say, aren't you saying always be honest? I'm like, okay, there's, there's people think will say that I'm contradicting myself, but I'm not. I'm saying in those moments, the integrity part is to swallow that guilt and not be a selfish a-hole. Correct. You made the mistake, and then from there, what the here's the thing, What, in my opinion, what the integrity part to do is to say, if I'm going to stay with this person, never again. Yep. We'll never do it again. I will honor this relationship. I will honor this person. I will honor the, sanctum, sanct, uh, the, the sanctity of, of the relationship, and the intimacy of it will always be first. And if I can't do that, I'm going to love them not to get out. Well, that's exactly right. And if I can't do that, get out. Then you have to be honest about it and say, "Hey, this is this is an issue that I have, right? And, and I have to tell you." But there's, I think, it, when people can, can, people are super judgy, and I, I know people are gonna be mad about this, about this whole conversation. What this conversation? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be like, Why? Because you have to tell if you. Well, uh, because they're gonna be, like, oh, I can't believe like it's the lie. Like, well, they're lying. They're lying, and that goes back to me being like. Man, you can be mad if you've never told a lie in your life, number one. Right. Number two is I really think that the in, people overlook the intent behind what's going on. and mo- is, it a, is, it a, is it a behavioral pattern? It's like when somebody correct. If you're doing it consistently, yeah. you've got a real issue. It, and, and then you have a responsibility to be honest about it and to get out of that relationship to be fair to that other person, 100%. But if this is truly a one-time thing, that was just a mistake that yep. you regret with all your heart and you know that's the person you're supposed to be, supposed to be with, whether, whether it's about your husband or your wife, whatever. I think- Even it, just it, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Girlfriend, boyfriend, yeah. anything, yeah. It's, you have to really ask yourself, are you trying to tell them so that you can feel better about the issue that you caused or are you trying to tell them for another reason? And if you're trying to feel better, if you're trying to pass that along so you can feel better about yourself, well, at least I did the right thing now, you have to ask, is that really the right thing? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I, 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 as, as somebody who has, uh, who has had infidelity in their life, it's not. It's not. You just, you just end up destroying the other person. Mm-hmm. Just, just get, be a decent enough person, in my opinion, get out of to say to, to have that honest conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Is this a pattern I'm having? Do I want to destroy this other person and break their heart? Because to me, that's the shittier thing. Like I'm, I'm saying, and then I had this conversation last night. I said, if I got married, and I had the option of knowing, if your wife cheated on you, and I had a happy marriage, yep, and somebody could say, I'm going to tell you if your wife cheated, a hundred percent, I would say, don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm so happy. Yeah. Don't take that away. Don't take that away from me. Correct. Like as long as it was something I felt entrusted that it was just. It's and not it was just a, a one-time thing. Yeah. It's not like they're having I mean, an affair. I don't want to know. Cur- yes. I don't want to know. I really believe that's that's a moment of uh, ignorance. It's bliss. Correct. I don't want to know. If, yep. if I have a happy marriage and we're wonderful to each other, and she got drunk out one night and like made out with some dude or whatever, no. like and it doesn't impact my marriage now. And, like no. we have a wonderful life or whatever. I agree. Like, I agree. I, I think that. I think it really boils down to a lot of people being, a, people are the harshest critics and judge of others and the most lenient when it comes to themselves. Oh, always. They're always like, look at other people and wag, finger wag and point You know, and that comes back to, um, you and I were talking about this yesterday too, about how we read shit about ourselves online. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like message boards and yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, somebody call me a douche. <laughs> this is my favorite. Somebody call me a douche. This chick called me a douche. It was something like if you're a douche on social media, you're probably a douche in real life. 
And then she went on to throw a bunch of shade at me. And I remember sitting there reading it going, the irony in all of this is that I am so transparent on social media. Yeah. And that you're hiding behind a fake name, an, an anonymous account, like off on a message board, like talking shit on, on so what a douche somebody met. is while you're doing the douchiest behavior Correct. in the history. Exactly. Like, you, you can't be any more douchey to me. Anybody listening to this, I, here's you may give you a piece of advice about stepping into a better version of yourself. If you get on to an anonymous account and go onto Reddit or a message board or whatever, <laughs> and you talk shit on people oh, behind that, yeah, the worst. You are not living a high value life. Correct. You are not. I have never gotten on. I never in my life have I gotten on a behind, hit behind an anonymous fake name and gotten on a message board to talk about people. It's the lowest rent behavior. Yeah, if if anyone does that, and then they they judge other people, you've really got to take a second. That's the irony. That's yeah, the they, that's <laughs> the hypocrisy in it all. Yeah. So I'm like, you are you're casting judgment. Um, you know, Christ talked about you know don't don't talk about the the speck in your brother's eye while you have a log in your own, <laughs> yeah. and you know don't cast judgment on other people while you're literally doing like one of the most low rent behavior things like I'm I'm gonna get on here and I'm gonna talk about this person's life. I've read stuff and I'm sure you have too. I've read people gossip about my life um based on like whatever they were getting off social zero fact. Yeah. Like no fact. Yeah. I'm like, this is everything you just said, like they would get my kids wrong. Yep. They would get situations wrong. I'm like, wow. The, the it's fact so- yeah, when people go out of their way to someone that they don't know, they've never met, they just see the, them online, that they take the time out of their day to not only speak about them, but your kids or my wife. I've seen threads about my wife. I'm like, she's literally the sweetest person in the world. And I see people like trying to tear her down on like social media what boards. What would anybody say about her? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna repeat. Well, you know, John Meadows, my, yeah. like John was literally like the Mr. Rogers yeah. of like the fitness industry bodybuilding. And I, there were people trolling him on his social media after he passed away. <sighs> John was literally Jeez. one of the nicest people after he ever, passed too. After he passed, and people are crazy. That like that just makes me think to myself. That's not even. It made me really angry at the time. I, I wanted to like the, the the kid that was doing it. I would like beat his face in at the time. But then I also have to remember something. Is like that is that is just a massive amount of internal dysfunction yeah. in that person. Yeah. Yes. Right, like how, I don't, I don't know anyone. Happy how much could they doing. hate their own life? Correct. When they need to go troll somebody who's passed away, who's died. Yep. I like I I've, I've been in some dark waters in my life, some some deep valleys of struggling and suffering, but not to not to the degree that it came out in those kind of ways. Maybe it came out some other ways. So I don't I don't want to do the same thing and be judgy. But I there's just I've just never understood the whole thing let me get online and quote unquote attack people yeah, like I, randomly I don't like that but that you know comes back to what we were talking about to circle back around to that to the the judgment about kind of the ideology that we're ascribing here yeah is is that to lead if you're gonna have a life full of integrity then the the part I was talking about earlier is the, the betrayal part is that once you do that um, it can be with a friend mm-hmm um, it can be with like your spouse, your significant other. My pastor, he had a really good thing. He said, um, he said, uh, what was it? He said, if you have, if you always lead with honesty and integrity, you don't have to worry about anything. Mm. 
And he said, if you don't, you don't, if you don't ever leave without seeing integrity, you don't ever have to worry about anything. <laughs> so he, he made a good example. He goes, what, how much, how much is your integrity worth? So he said, how much is your integrity worth? And he, he, he said, I'll give you an example. Um, if you were willing to do something to like steal or gain, you know, gain an advantage or whatever, and I can't remember the example he gave, but it was something like it was something like this guy did something at work, and it was like it was worth thirty four dollars. So his his integrity was only worth thirty four dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So when you talk about the value, what is the value of a relationship to you? What is the value of like your marriage? What is the value of um, you know a friendship, or what is the value of anything? And then so then you can literally sometimes put a price tag mm. on what your integrity is. So what is how much is my integrity worth? Because I did that. I did this, and it was worth thirty-four dollars. But I took it. Yeah. So it was only worth thirty-four. Yeah. Like my my self worth was thirty-four dollars. Or like a lot of uh, we see this with a lot of like social media fitness influencers. Like they'll post about a product they don't even use, and they got paid like a hundred right. bucks for it. Okay, so it's worth a hundred dollars. Your integrity is worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But that's why I won't lie. Yeah. Right. The one thing that I that I I, I can say about myself is that I, I do always try to lead with transparency, mm -hmm. you know, and honesty and stuff. And at the end of the day, and you said this, one of your favorite quotes, it's like, is that try to make as many decisions um, that allow you to sleep well at night. Yep, that's exactly right. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can make the right decision and still not sleep well. Yeah. Sometimes you can, you know, this is the right decision. You still don't. Sometimes the right decision is the hardest one. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. and it's going to keep you up at night. It is. But I think it's. I think what's important to remember is, I'm. I'm such a big personal responsibility person. Yeah. Like I've really bought into that. And sometimes, like you've really got to take responsibility for it, and you've got to be okay with that. That discomfort. For a you, while. For yeah, you've got to be okay well, with, it, with it. It doesn't last. It it will not last. And and in the end, you'll be proud of yourself that that you. You took responsibility for the actions that you took. Whether they were right, whether they were wrong, it's your responsibility. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So. This is good, man. Yeah. I think where where, where can people one. follow you? Um, they can usually just they, they search for Lift, Run, Bang. Lift, Run, Bang. If I bang. ever get my, my actual, my, my, my original big Instagram account back. Yeah. But my backup is Lift Run Paul, Bang 1. Paul is Lift Run Bang 1, one. currently on Instagram. Currently because... What were you up to on Instagram? We were 100... 108 when they actually deactivated me, so... So Paul's been deactivated a couple times. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> thinks it's because, like, I said something snarky to people. I was attacking people, and it's no, not. No, you weren't. It was, uh, the one time I got pegged, because everybody loved those meme threads that I did. Yeah, they were funny. And so, yeah, so what happened was um, there were so many each night for so long... I ended up getting uh, flagged as a spam account, mm. and I got deactivated for that. So people were like, "Oh, it must be because Paul's like." I was like, "It wasn't because I was attacking people. I wasn't because anything I said. It was literally because of that." And then when I got it back from that, the other time was uh, I literally they um, I got they deactivated me for simply saying I didn't feel the need to get the vaccine. Yep. I said like, I don't. And I, you guys like get the vaccine, yeah, yeah, and you're like, I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm all about everybody making the decision they feel. Is best I don't for think, them. and I've spoken about this a lot now. I don't. I, I think people should be able to have the choice to do what they want with their body. Yeah, and I which like, is a, crazy to me that it's a controversial statement. But like, if you don't want to get it, like, cool. I people say, well, like you're like you're killing the people. I'm like, well, if 
the vaccine works and your mask works and just get your well, vaccine. Well, I also spoke with, I spoke with Spencer Andalski about this yesterday. I published that podcast today, actually. And I was talking to Spencer. I was like, I just wanted to clarify, um, does the vaccine prevent the spread? No. And he said, no. No. And I was like, so, and I said, you know, it would be way better if, if and we, we agreed on this. We spoke about if, if the true goal was to get more people vaccinated and they understood behavioral psychology and they understand how to actually get people to do it, they, they wouldn't be trying to mandate it. Right. And they wouldn't be shaming people for it. Right. They would be saying, hey, listen, actually what's going on is if you get the vaccine, the effects, the negative effects of COVID are far less. So you'll be safer yep. if you get it. And that's, that's, honestly, that's what they would that's, be, that would be because highlighting. Because it's not that. actually a vaccine. It's a, it's a therapy. That, that's what they would be highlighting. They'd be highlighting the, the safety the aspect of it as right. opposed to saying you're killing other people, which is like it's, it's anybody with – if you've ever gotten an argument with someone and someone says you're a bad person, you're immediately going to be like, well, fuck you. Right. And it's like that's why people are so resistant to it. Right. Instead of somebody coming to you and saying, um, I feel like some of the things that you've done are you know, not honorable in actions and don't, aren't uh, you know, the best represent a best representation of who you are yep. and your character. Yep. That's a different way of saying Correct. you're really a piece of shit. Well, that's because mainstream media really, they go out of the way to divide people and they make it seem like quote unquote, the other side the, the is The rest evil. of everybody doubles down. When you tell everybody they have to, it's like telling a kid they have to rather than explaining to them, you know, in a respectful way, because you should still get that, like why this is a good idea. Yep. And so, so they can listen. If the vaccine is it's safe, and here's the thing, it's effective at about a 91% rate in terms of lowering the Correct. side effects that you're going to get if you come down with COVID. Yep. Now you're still you could still get COVID, but yep. the thing is, you're you're gonna you're you're basically your your chance of recovery uh, is much higher. You won't get as sick. You'll be sick less time. All good things. So you can not get the vaccine, and um, you can you know potentially. You know, for, especially for older people who are more susceptible to the really bad stuff, yep. you know, they should get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, they should do all those things. I, I tell people that, but it's also their choice. It's their choice. That's, and that's yeah. the only thing. The only thing I said to get my account deactivated then was I just said I didn't feel like I needed to get the vaccine right that's now. Crazy. And they said that was. And then five minutes later, um, I got a warning that I had violated community standards. My account got taken down. Man, that's crazy. So that's where we're at. So go follow Paul, Lift Run Bang One. His original account was just Lift Run Bang. I hope to get it. Um, he has amazing, amazing content. A lot of people are copying his content recently. Oh, it's been going on a lot. <laughs> he has great content. So, Paul, thank you for coming on, brother. Absolutely.